Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. With the international break comes a change in focus as we move away from Ligue 1 and look to bring you our thoughts on everything going on in the world of the current world champions. A lacklustre France were picked apart by the Eagle Owls last Wednesday as Finland ran out 2-0 winners, the first time France have lost at the Stade de France to a side ranked outside of FIFA's top 50 since losing to Belarus in 2010, with Wednesday's opposition currently ranked 55th in the world. But Le Bleu's Blues faded away as they put in an impressive performance to beat reigning European champions Portugal at the Estadio de Luz in Lisbon, leaving many green with envy as they become the first team to qualify for the UEFA Nations League finals. We'll be diving into these two very contrasting matches uh, and also preview Tuesday night's match against Sweden, uh, their final international match of the men's side until 2021. I'm Jake Smales, and a change of focus has brought about a change of cast. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the man who, until very recently, occupied this very seat. Not literally, of course. It is our former host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Pierre-Paul, great to have you on for the first time. How does it feel that the shoe is now on the other foot? Hi, Jake. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's great to be back. And I really enjoyed listening to you in your first couple of shows. And... Uh, I'm super happy to be back again on this week. You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm also joined by Jeremy Smith. Jez, great to be on a podcast with you again. What What are your feelings in general on international break? Are you a fan of mid-season football and uh, international football in general? Or are you um, part of what feels like an increasing majority, at least in England, which seems to bemoan any <laughs> disruption to club football? Um, I have to admit that, I mean, this year obviously is slightly different, but generally I actually really like international breaks, um, partly because just always excited about France playing and partly because as a Brighton fan, it's nice to have a, it's nice to have a break from the misery of the league, and I never have to worry about any of our players, or rarely have to worry about any of our players even being on international duty, let alone getting injured. <laughs> there, so. I can yeah. only agree with with Jeremy. I think Jake, you have the most uh, uh, the the panel that likes international breaks the most on today out of anyone at GFFN. <laughs> Well, I could not have chosen better than to have the both of you on. Um, so let's let's dive right in. Um, I think it would be better to end the show on a high. So let's start with last Wednesday's <laughs> match against Finland, uh, where Les, Les Bleus succumbed to a 2-0 defeat. Um, we speculated in last week's show that given the quality of opposition, um, Deschamps would use this match as an opportunity to give some minutes to players, perhaps slightly further down the pecking order, or squad debutants such as uh, Marcus Turam and Ruben Aguilar of, of Monaco, especially given that, that France were already without the likes of Kylian Mbappé, uh, Nebou Fakir and Oussama all of whom were included in the squad at one point. Deschamps did shake things up uh, with a starting eleven, which included Turam on the left side of midfield, uh, Steve Mandanda in goal, Steven Nzonzi and Moussa Sissoko in midfield, uh, as well as Luca Dean and Kurt Zuma in defence. However, it was the debutants for the opposition that made the difference, with Marcus Force and Oni Valakari scoring for the visitors on their first starts as France were sucker-punched in a three-minute spell. Despite Le Bleus mustering 24 shots 
to Finland's six and boasting 72% possession, they were unable to overturn the deficit with Turam missing the home side's best chances. Where do we even start with this one? Uh, Pierre-Paul, um, it was Finland have been in decent form beating, they beat Ireland recently, they beat Bulgaria recently, um, but they had lost 5-1 to Poland in October. You know, this isn't uh, hmm. a giant of the European game it's a shock result, right? And what, what did you make of the match and specifically um, the performance from a French perspective? Um, obviously, it was not a good day at the office, but I have to say that I wasn't uh, too concerned by it, even though, the, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a pretty terrible result, that's for sure. But um, obviously, we'll get to it later. Um Things are not too bad for France at the moment, and and I wasn't too worried even after this one. And also, Finland obviously are not a big football nation, but I had heard about this team for the last year maybe or so, um, and it sounds like they have kind of a uh, this kind of a golden age for Finnish football. Obviously, they've qualified for the Euro, which I don't know if they've ever done that before, um, and. Uh, they they certainly looked like a very organized team when we, when we played against them the other day. Uh, whether it was in, in defense, where they were kind of very geometrically structured and in, in the way and, and, you know, very well organized, obviously, for an international side, that's that's quite impressive because there's not so much time to to, to work and, and get that that common base on how to play together. Um, and then they, they even, from time to time, pulled off a, a pretty impressive press. Um, obviously, for France, uh, yeah, bad day at the office. In the second half in particular, it kind of looked like no one cared, which, um, you know, that could be worrying, but I think it's just... I, 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 I've never really seen that kind of stuff in a match that matters from France, um, so I'm not too worried for, for competitions. Um, and there were some promises in the first half too. Marcus Turam had a, a pretty interesting debut, unlucky not to score. Um, and you know, b- even before the finished goals, there was there was some good stuff from from let's say Leo Dubois or Lucadine who both brought danger through the sides, had very good crosses, both of them. Um, and I think you know, I'd rather kind of remember the small number of positives than the than the not so good result. Jez, what what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, Pierre Paul, I'm actually kind of surprised at at, um, <laughs> at the positive takeaway. I think it's refreshing, you know, compared to I think what what the reaction in the kind of aftermath of the game. I think Deschamps said that uh, that it was a that it was a warning and that you know they've taken a good slapping and he didn't want to dwell mm. on it and all of this other stuff. Jeremy, what were your thoughts on on the game? Do you kind of share Pierre Paul's outlook that maybe there were some some positives in there or? Um, you know, was it was this a kind of uh, uh, something to be to be concerned in a big way about? Um, I'd say maybe not too many positives, but not too many negatives either. Um, well, so not for France in general. I mean, maybe for for some of the players who yeah. didn't really take their chance. But yeah, I think um, uh, firstly that there aren't really any excuses because you know whether you say well, it was France's B or even in some cases C team that is true but it wasn't exactly apparently Finland's first team either and you know the strength and depth of France their B or C team should be enough anyway but um, and you know saying well 
it's it's a ridiculously busy schedule and and I suppose you can say that France's players generally play at a higher level so that they're, they're going to be probably more likely to be more physically and and mentally tired maybe than than some of the Finland players but all that said um you should I think it's reasonable to expect a little bit better from from France but at the same time there was there was you know nothing at stake at all um so you can understand a bit of a lack of motivation um they did sort of dominate possession and and um as Pierre Paul said you know at least in the first half before it all kind of petered out they did create some some decent chances and should you know Turan was was very bright but you know you could if you wanted to be quite harsh could say that he he should have had two or three goals within the first 20 minutes or so um so I don't think there's too much to worry about but I think some of those players this is a really good chance to to sort of make a mark for themselves and I'm not really sure anyone did probably I'd, I'd agree Dubois and Dean more than anyone else, but I think they're they're pretty sort of safe bets for the more or less for the for the France squad anyway. But you know, Longley I think is on a, in a kind of competition with Kimpembe maybe for the for the uh, sort of left sided centre back starting starting role, and I, I certainly think he lost points this week. Yeah. And Zonzi hasn't done too much i thought he was decent in the in the last couple of international breaks but was disappointing in this one and um, ben Yedder as well i think still isn't doing too much for france and then just the, the main frustration for me really is that as it is a friendly that no one really wants anyway you know i i will as i've said before i i think all the criticism of deschamps and his pragmatism or supposed negativity is completely unfair but of all the matches, this match just felt so meaningless. Did we really need to start with Nzonzi and Sissoko? <laughs> like, it could have been a chance to just, you know, really let rip. So that was, the, as a viewer, that was the only um, frustration. But for all the reasons Pierre Paul said, and obviously what happened um, on Saturday night, um, certainly with hindsight, that I don't think there's anything too much to worry about. Probably the, the player that I'm most upset about in terms of, of Wednesday was Giroud, not because he needs to kind of prove his place in the squad or obviously prove what he can bring to France, but you know he's the one player, along with Pogba, obviously from those who started against against Finland, who who needed a sort of confidence boost. Neither of them got that. Pogba obviously got the chance to get that on Saturday instead. Giroud didn't. I thought, as usual, Leckie were ridiculously harsh, um, giving him such a bad score because the fact is he's a striker who needs service. So when he's not getting any, it's not really his fault. Um, but yeah, I, I felt a bit sorry for him and a bit disappointed for some of the other players who could have you know, really made a case for themselves to, to challenge for, if not the squad, maybe even the, the starting lineup. But it was a free hit. It was a bit of a disappointment, but none of it really mattered in the end. Yeah, certainly. And 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 as as you both pointed out, you know, I do think there were 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 bright sparks, especially in terms of Marcus Turam. It was obviously wasteful. You know, I think he had three excellent chances in the first fifteen minutes, and. Um, hit the bar with a header from a corner and, you know, um, 
uh, there was one point where I think a lovely ball from Dubois found him at the back post unmarked, but he just skied his skied his um, skied his volley. So um, a bit wasteful, but nonetheless, you know, good to see him. Good to see him get a game. Good to see him uh, playing and doing well for uh, the national team. And we'll hope that he continues with that. And as opposed to some of those players you mentioned, I mean, players like Musa Sissoko, who was was at fault for the first goal in in giving the ball away to Finland, and you know looked pretty pretty didn't seem to offer anything as he occasionally doesn't for France. I think <laughs> it's fair to say. Um, I think there's. Um, not too many kind of huge eye openers in 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 this one, as 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 you guys have have pointed out, and ultimately, as we've said, a pretty futile game. Um, uh, Just let, on Sissoko, um, yeah. I'm usually quick to defend Sissoko because I think he often brings things that that we you know people don't give him credit for. But uh, definitely on this evening, you know, not only was he completely at fault for the first goal, he got everything wrong on that. Missed the pass, had a late tackle, which. You know, wasn't sanctioned because they went on to score anyway. But it, that was maybe the third or fourth time that he missed that exact same pass, which was a pretty simple kind of backwards pass. And he was, yeah, not a good day for him. No, certainly not. Certainly not at all. Um, anyway, just before we move on to uh, to more positive, uh, more positive matters in terms of Saturday night's uh, Saturday night's match, um, just to update the listeners, the French under twenty ones uh, who are currently playing the Swiss under twenty ones as we record a two 0 up, thanks to two goals from Odson Edouard. So we will uh, continue to update you on that as things go along. Um, let's leave. France need to win by two to top the group. And okay. conceded. There you know. So things are looking good right now for Les Espoirs. Um, let's um, move on then to the Portugal game. Uh, a wholly more positive performance as Les Bleus travelled to Lisbon to face Portugal on Saturday evening in a decisive match at the top of Group C in the UEFA Nations League, of course. Obviously missing Mbappe, um, and also Ben Yedder at this point, who withdrew from the squad due to testing positive for COVID-19. Unsurprisingly, Deschamps opted to make extensive changes and put out a far stronger eleven. Uh, though still perhaps some surprising decisions. Um, Jez mentioned uh, Giroud being, uh, having a, a slightly off game, it's fair to say, against Finland. And he was obviously dropped for Anthony Martial. Um, and perhaps also the decision to start Adrian Rabiot as effectively um, playing uh, wide for several um, for, for large spells uh, in what seemed to hark back to what I've seen called the asymmetric 4-2-3-1 for all you uh, tactics buffs, uh, the formation that effectively won Les Bleus, the World Cup. They were facing against a pretty much full-strength Portugal side with Cristiano Ronaldo leading the line and looking to score his first goal against France at the sixth attempt. However, he did not manage to do this as Le Bleu produced a vintage performance to win 1-0, the goal courtesy of an unlikely hero in Engolo Conte. Uh, Portugal conceding for the first time in 503 minutes of play, which is something I didn't realise going into that. Um, they had their chances, uh, but the French players were brilliant and could have scored more, I certainly thought, and held on for a victory that sees them head to the finals of the UEFA Nations League. Pierre Paul, lots to praise here, lots to unpack. What did you make of this one? I thought it was terrific. Um, I came into it 
rather negative, thinking it was going to be another nil-nil, um, because that's just the image I have of this Portugal team, which, which I'm I'm still biased because of Euro 2016, in which they were really not that good and very lucky, and you know, <laughs> basically never won a match in 90 minutes and somehow won the tournament. But uh, I have to give them credit. Uh, you know, they are looking like a very very good team at the moment as well, um, and and they do have. A lot of depth and talent so that can explain that as well but yeah it was it was a very good game on saturday um uh probably the best and the most important game for france since the world cup uh and i think deschamps came into this one with you know often we're tempted to look at this in 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 the sense of you know how does this prepare france for the euro um but i don't think that that kind of analysis works for this match because deschamps solely wanted to win this match, finish top of the group, which is now the case, and and go on to the next stage of, of the Nations League, which is uh, a tournament that we haven't won yet and that I think we want to win. <laughs> um, and I think that's what explains uh, why, you know, we saw Martial start over Giroud because Giroud obviously has not been playing a lot of football. His physical condition might not be at the, at, you know, at the top level right now and I think that Deschamps thought on the day you know Marcel would bring more for this match and um, you know obviously we're going to talk about him even though he didn't score he, he there were there were positives from him um, there were positives uh, around the pitch for France really Loris had a terrific game huge saves Kante the goal scorer was just absolutely everywhere I mean <laughs> he was intercepting passes which should have been flying over his head, but somehow kind of jumping and controlling <laughs> with his head. <laughs> it was really terrific stuff from him. Um, and, and yeah, just uh, very good to see France, uh, you know, pull out this result and, and put in a very solid performance in, in what was... I mean, I know the conditions are really tough for everybody at the moment, um, individual players are at a different are at different physical levels and and different club situations and you know there's tight schedules for some and and less so for others and that applies to both France and Portugal and, and probably a lot a lot of other teams uh, but somehow on Saturday it all came together and and it produced a, a, a very good quality football match between the two teams. It was of immensely high quality and and as mm-hmm. you mentioned there Pierre Paul I think there's I think so many of the players turned up in such a big way uh you know Griezmann who isn't having the best time with his club obviously at the moment was a nightmare for the Portugal defense I thought the fullbacks in uh Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavard were were excellent as well um just like back in the uh in the World Cup um Conte obviously brilliant Pogba you know to come back from what was I think a a very underwhelming, very disappointing performance against Finland to 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 boss the midfield with Conte. And by the way, I, I read I hadn't realised, but apparently France are unbeaten in in what twenty matches when those two have started in midfield together, Conte and Pogba. So um, there you go. But but Jez, was was this the most complete France performance since the World Cup? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you can sort of I don't know look at matches where they've scored more goals and and maybe um sort of been more kind of i don't know flowing going forward or something but certainly in terms of um what's at stake relatively speaking if if 
if you think of Nations League as a, as a competitive match and the quality of the opposition and the fact that it was away from home, even though um, obviously no fans there changes the atmosphere somewhat. Um, I think it's, it's definitely their biggest test. Even the fact that they that they lost to Finland during the week, of course, it was a different, uh, completely different team, and and you know all the factors that that we've just spoken about. But still, I think it added an extra bit of pressure because you know it's very rare that France lose two two matches in a row, and and had they lost, that's what the history books would have kind of recorded and would have heaped a lot more pressure going forward. So um, I think. Uh, yeah, certainly the the kind of the most important match, both for France as a team and also for certain players. You know, there was a lot of talk this week about uh, Giroud, although he didn't play, and then Pogba, Griezmann, Varane, even who hasn't been in the, in the best of form recently for for Real Madrid either. That you know the, these players were struggling and, and really needed to um, to kind of raise their level, and it was fantastic to see that that they could and and. You know, I know Pogba's got accidentally sort of got himself into a bit of trouble because I think he's been maybe misquoted or people have misinterpreted what he said. But um, he gave an interview after the match saying kind of what, what a breath of fresh air it is playing for for France again. And I think you can see that, that um, the, maybe it's there's an element of sort of having not as much pressure for France because they've won the World Cup, they don't have anything to prove. But I think it's just that going through an amazing experience like that, they really do seem like a very close-knit community, a very close-knit unit. Um, they clearly have a very special relationship with Deschamps as well. And you can see that those players who are struggling under the different kinds of pressure that they've got with their clubs just, just thrive. And it's almost like, well, like, like Pogba said, a breath of fresh air, like a relief to be back in that, in that France setup. And, you know, if I was a Man United fan, possibly I would, use it as another stick to beat Pogba with and say, well, you know, you should be raising your, you shouldn't need to raise your game. You should be kind of, you know, performing your best week in, week out. And you shouldn't kind of pick and choose your matches or save yourself for internationals or whatever. But as someone who doesn't support United and does support France, I'm very, very pleased to see it that way. And, um, you know, it wasn't just a pleasure because they beat a, a decent team. I'm kind of scared to, to criticise Portugal too much because we've obviously got an even bigger match against them coming up in the summer but you know when you talk about Deschamps being negative how as Pierre Poul said you know going back to the Euros how depressingly negative is this Portugal team considering the attacking players they've got and yeah you know well done Ronaldo for scoring another goal against Andorra but um, (laughs) you know (laughs) But um, yeah, such a pleasure to see France play like that. Varane and Kempembe looking like such a good unit. Loris, again, just quietly sort of authoritative and pulling out the saves when he needs to. I just, Pogba, it's funny because before the World Cup, I used to criticise him for being sort of overly confident and therefore taking too many touches and trying to do too much. And against Finland, it was kind of, because of a lack of confidence, he was doing that, taking an extra touch and slowing things down. And he's at his best when it's when he's playing it simple. And I don't mean like you know not taking risks, but just one touch. Um, yeah, not dwelling on the ball, not trying to beat an extra man just for the sake of it. And he went back to that the other day and did it brilliantly. Rabiot has been fantastic, and 
um, it's kind of it's nice to see his development. And I saw a PSG fan making a couple of barbed points about, oh, you know, it's only it's not it's just because you know Juventus wouldn't have stood for his rubbish. <laughs> the fact is, I think he always performed well for PSG on the pitch. Okay, the off the pitch stuff were there were issues and. I think PSG should at least share the blame for it. But on the pitch, he always did a job. So I don't think it's a revelation that he's an excellent player. So I'm I'm pleased that I think the whole thing was was handled very well. You know, the only person that was punished by his weird attitude was himself. And, you know, then he had a couple of years in the wilderness and Deschamps brought him in. And I think it's worked out well for everyone. And then Griezmann, I just... I love watching him when he plays like that, when he's not in a different way to Conte, obviously, but he also is just everywhere. He's dropping back and beginning the attacking play. The one-touch football, which when it's working, looks fantastic. When it doesn't, okay, it it can look really silly when your your little flicks are not going to anyone. But when it's working, it's just, it's lovely to watch. Number of times, again, he sort of popped back and you find him make, you know, sprinting back to, to, to make the covering tackle. It's just such a pleasure to watch him. And, and, you know, I, I think I saw someone send a tweet saying, you know, anyone who's, who's wasting Griezmann on the club level is a, is a, horrible club that deserves everything it gets or something to that effect and and yeah I kind of agree with that and up front uh, and kind of Coman I thought started well but maybe a couple of times made bad decisions and then sort of vanished a little bit and Martial I'm torn I guess it's similarly to, to Turan the other day you can look at it two ways you know he missed three or four brilliant chances or he was there to to have those chances in the first place. So although I'm kind of frustrated because I, I sort of don't want anyone to take mm-hmm. Giroud's place, the fact is that while he's being continually shafted by Lampard, despite everything he did <laughs> in the second half of last season, there's a good chance that he won't and shouldn't start maybe the Euros. And that being the case, someone needs to step up because the fact is... You could say maybe no one's been given enough of a chance, but no one has stepped up yet. And Martial mm. at least looked like, for the first time, I think, looked the part the other day. And, you know, it looks, it feels like one goal will give him the confidence and, and he'll sort of rock it on from there. Yeah, I, I will say on Martial, um, the, the difference between kind of him and Thuram, I mean, Thuram kind of skied one or two chances, whereas Martial, I, I want to say that the, the first and the second one, of his of his three big chances, you know, you, you have to give credit to the goalkeeper who was really at his feet. I mean, there was so little space between the two of them that the angle was was quite tough. And I think on the first chance, Martial tries to kind of slip it through his legs, but doesn't quite get it right. Um, but it, those chances, just because it's a one on one with the keeper, they weren't as easy as they looked because of the tiny amount of time and space that he had to to kind of pull something out of there. Um, and overall, the fact that he's getting into those positions is a good sign. And I, I suspect he probably wouldn't have started if Mbappe were fit. Uh, we, we would have seen Mbappe up there, even though I don't think that's our favorite position to see him in. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, even Ben Yedder might have started ahead of him if he hadn't um, contracted COVID, I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, surely that position now is the position that's that's most up for grabs going into the summer because you know yeah. Deschamps has has come out and said, um, oh, I can't remember his exact quote, but effectively another something along the lines of the fact that while Giroud's situation is the way it is at Chelsea, you know, it's going to be difficult for him to to um, to be picked for to start for France, and actually. You know, some people were a bit more kind of damning, I think, of Martial's performance. We had a question on Twitter from um, at Noidoromo who said, with one goal in 25 games, do you think Deschamps was justified in not taking Martial to the, eight, the 2018 World Cup? Um, Jez, do I mean, you think, I, firstly, do you think, oh, Pierre, Paul, you can take it if you want. Yeah, go. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Jez will want to say something too, but I saw that question. I thought, I mean, it's not fair to you know, question his selection or, or not in 2018 based on the fact that he hasn't scored since then. But um, if you if, if we if you go back, I remember before the World Cup when we were talking about who would, you know, go on and uh, be on the team and so on. I mean, there were so many wingers playing at a very high level for France. It was it was a huge question of, you know, who was Deschamps going to pick? Because at the time there was also, you know, Dembele was there and he made the squad as well. And we haven't seen much of him since then. So maybe, you know, we've kind of forgot about him. But you know, also guys like Dimitri Payet, who was in the form of his life and, and got injured, uh, and, and Florian Thauvin, who was in the squad as well and was in good form and has been injured since then, so we've seen less of him. And I don't remember exactly what kind of circumstances Martial or, or, or what kind of form Martial was in at the time, um, but it was it was a very tight race between a, a, a high number of candidates for those winger positions at the World Cup. And, um, it, it, I, I, you know... It, it was tough luck on him, I guess, that there were so many other good guys in, in form at that time. Yeah, Jez, that's pretty um, much exactly my answer as well. <laughs> okay. I don't remember exactly what form he was in then, but there was a lot to choose from. You know, Fekir was there as well. Yeah. Um, and he hadn't had a brilliant, from what I remember, Euro in 2016 either so you know for whatever reason it feels like it's taken him a little while to mature considering how brilliant he was when he sort of first burst onto the scene but but you know, actually I not gonna he... the fact is france won the world cup and also you can't judge whether he should have been in a squad two years ago based on the fact that he's playing well now i'm wondering maybe he was injured or had just been injured and you know was a bit tight to make it back because i remember it, the match against Russia, which was in March of 2018, he was very good in that game, and that's when he scored his his I think his only goal for France. Um, so I think something happened to him between them and then in the World Cup. I think that you know, apart from right back, maybe France are generally blessed with a lot of very good players in a lot of yeah, positions, and <laughs> it feels like a sort of broken record every. every um, press conference when when Deschamps announces his squad he'll announce player A and the question is why haven't you picked player B and he said look there's only a certain number of players I can pick unless you're Gareth Southgate and you're going to pick 13 defenders just for the sake of it but still not Lewis Dunk then um, <laughs> then you know you're you're limiting your choices quite rightly because you need to find some balance and there's always going to be a, at least one or two very good players in every position disappointed but, I mean, who who do we think um, will um, will take um, Giroud's place? Should he not be in a position where Deschamps is, is is choosing him to start? Because obviously he plays such a such a important role to that team, and um, you know is so quietly brilliant for them. And I know you know people people who perhaps didn't 
fully understand that would point to his lack of goals at the at the World Cup. But you know, we all know that, um, as do many many people, just how important he is uh, for France. So you know, is is Martial the, the solution, or or do you see it some? Do you see another one, Pierre Paul? I mean. Ideally, for me, Giroud is the solution, but I may be biased, and and Chelsea <laughs> is to blame. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, this was the one week where I I wouldn't I didn't really have anything to say about Giroud, um, whereas usually I, I I would have lots to say. But then Deschamps spoke uh, earlier today, I think. Um, yeah, it makes sense that he's going to have to find more playing time somewhere if he wants to start, and I think Deschamps would like to start him. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's not fair and it's probably not, you know, feasible for him to start if he's if he continues not playing. So um, I guess it's, it's, it's the same story for the past one or two years now. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it works out in January or hopefully Lampard comes to him, his senses <laughs> or well, gets I mean, sacked. And Big Sam comes in and plays Giroud up front all okay. day long. Okay, let's stop there. Let's stop there. <laughs> I, 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 as a Chelsea fan, I've sat, sat, sat quietly far too long throughout this. No, I, I do completely agree about the Giroud situation, you know, especially given how just how important he was for for Chelsea in the in the latter half of last season, and you know, in in basically getting us over the line for for top four with his with his brilliance. But um, but but yeah, it is difficult to see, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, he just won't have the match fitness unless he's able to to get a move or you know something happens and 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 Lampard does start to to draft him in and fully you know appreciate and uh, his his brilliance. Um, what I will say, unless about- every other player is dead on their feet by then and he's the only player left standing, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is also quite possible with this uh, this schedule. What I will say about Chelsea is that I think yesterday was. Uh, or oh, sorry, Saturday I should say was testament to how well they've dealt with uh, with Engolo Conte and and uh, you know he's he had missed large spells of last season with injury and 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 has struggled and you know I think um, it's fair to say that his level did drop at times below his exceptional standards last season, but only I think because of those those spells out with injury and it's just amazing to see him doing so well again for for for, for club and for country. So long may. Long may that continue, and mm. and yeah, I think Chelsea deserve yeah. a little bit of credit just for that. Um, I would just add one thing on, on the Portugal match um, uh, about. I mean, Jeremy, you mentioned Rabiot, um and I thought I pretty much agreed with what you were saying. It was super interesting to see, like you mentioned, Jake, as well, the fact that he was in that position on the left, uh, which in the World Cup was basically the Matuidi role, which is. Um, you know, not exactly the same type of winger as, as Mbappe or or on Saturday Coman on the other side. But uh, Rabiot uh, was it, he looks to me what looks like it, the the change that I see in him is that he's a just a, he's become a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's really really improved physically. It looks like, mm. and a couple of months ago it was you know a surprise to see him back. But uh, it's looking, it's starting to look like a very good call from Deschamps to have him in there. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I mean, I think he got a lot of um, praise for his performance in that role, and quite rightly, quite rightly so. And you know, it is good. It's refreshing to see him him doing well and and playing. And as you say, kind of, um, he does seem to have uh, look more athletic than he than he uh, he used to. Uh, more you know more rugged than the uh, scrawny <laughs> mop head dancing around the pitch um 
let's let's move on finally then to the the uh, the Sweden game that's coming up tomorrow. Um, obviously, it's the last group match, but as we said, France are already through to the to the finals. Sweden beat Croatia in the Nations League in the last match, um, but are fourth in that group, so bottom. Uh, that was their first win. Um, they've lost their last few international matches actually prior to 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 that one. Um, uh, Conte is obviously suspended for this. Jez, do we see Deschamps again making wholesale changes and kind of reverting back to to the lineup that we saw against um, Finland last week? Uh, I I, re- I can't. I mean, I, Mbappe's definitely going to start, and Tolisso's definitely out. We know that. Um, other than that, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I can't decide. I mean, it could go either way because it feels like there might be another sort of kind of decompression after the big match of Saturday. So, so maybe it's, it's a good chance to um, give some of the other players a chance. But then on the other, on the other hand, you could say, well, it's an opportunity to, to you know, maintain the, the confidence levels of, of certain players. But then... You know, it's it's not Deschamps' job to to, uh, well, it's not his his responsibility to do the job of of Kuman or Solskjaer or whatever. And and you know, he's he's got what he needs out out of Griezmann and Pogba. Um, but then he might want to see them again, um, see if they can then keep those levels sort of two two games in a row. But then he's probably also getting pressure from certain club coaches. And I have found it interesting that, you know, Aguilar was only really in the squad because various players were, were vetoed, like at, at Leipzig and Bayern Munich, for example. So I don't know, I don't really understand how it works that some clubs seem to be able to veto their players joining international squads and others can't. I don't know. Um, it may so, be because it was a late call or something. Uh, possibly, yeah. I, I was wondering if, like, if you're... You know, if it's a French club for the French national team, you have stricter rules or something like that. I don't know. Um, all that to say, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it could go either way. I'd like to see a couple of other players maybe maybe get a chance. But as I said, just as a purely as a viewer, it's just such a pleasure to watch players like Pogba and Griezmann at, at the top of their game that I'd like to see that again. I think that the main thing that I would like to see from this match, even though he did score the winner last time out against uh, Croatia, is I'd like to see Mbappe with his head screwed back on because <laughs> I really think he's getting a little bit too much uh, Neymar-itis. And, and I think as absolutely superb as he is, I'm not actually sure he's quite as good as he thinks he is, certainly in a central role. Um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him sort of go back to what he does best, which actually I think is coming in off either flank. Mm. Um, he might not like that, but it's clearly worked in the past. And I don't think he's been at his best when he has played down the centre and, and dropped back and tried to be the main playmaker. That's not the kind of player he is. Also, I don't know if someone mentioned it, but Kante is suspended. Um, yes. Yeah. So he won't be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the and, thing I think midfield might be interesting. I just, again, as it doesn't really matter, I just hope Sissoko. I agree that Sissoko <laughs> has done important things and is an important, <laughs> has been an important squad player, but no Sissoko, please. 
No, I, I think we're all in agreement there after after the after after the Finland match certainly. Um, I, I, I actually, in a, in a way, one player who I think possibly has kind of lost points is not his fault whatsoever in this get together. It sounds weird. Is is Kamavinga because I I genuinely thought with his versatility and everything he brings that he could have been the person to take over that kind of Matuidi not exactly a defensive mm. winger, not exactly a forward winger, can easily play wide, but also dropping inside as well role. But I think Rabiot did it so well that I think he definitely sort of um, jumps well ahead of him in the pecking order for the moment. But maybe, I mean, I agree with that, but I think also maybe um, Kamavinga could kind of bring stuff as a sub which is kind of rare with Deschamps doesn't make a lot of substitutions and and not very early especially in competitive matches and so we don't really see the subs having an impact too often like at the World Cup for example I mean name one substitution that that you know changed the game it it didn't really happen but I think Kamavinga is so kind of just joyful joyful and energetic that you can put him on anytime and, and he might bring something yeah that works for me (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and and you know you got to think that 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 Rabio or I guess the, the Matuidi role would have been the the most likely position to 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 for him to kind of get stuck into and be a real contender to start with. What with you know um, Pogba and and Kante presumably taking the other two slots in mm-hmm. in midfield. Um, I do agree with what Jez was saying. I personally would like to see those guys like Pogba, like Griezmann, who you know did perform so well in that last match and clearly did need a, a confidence boost for this one. But I would also like to see players like Marcus Turam come back into the side because you know he's been he's been so good this season for for Gladbach and you know was such a bright uh, bright spark in that first fifteen minutes against Finland. So I would really like to see that. Um, mm. Yeah, Paul. My question for you is. This game is obviously irrelevant at this point uh, in the Nations League, but will France go on to win the tournament, do you think? The tournament? I, I would love that. Um, <laughs> uh, who else is qualified? It's it's Germany and uh, and the others we don't know yet. That's right. I think. It, is it, it either could, Italy or Netherlands, one of them? Yeah. yeah Belgium, one of maybe? People. I don't know. No, I think France are the only team, as far as I was aware, they were the only team to have guaranteed their spot in the final. Oh, okay. final match today, but I could be wrong there. But but anyway, a selection of the teams that we've just mentioned will be yes. there for sure. Uh, yeah, I think we can do it. <laughs> I think uh, we're looking pretty good at the moment. Obviously, you know, who knows what the world has in, in, in stock for us for the next six months. But, uh, but uh, by then, it, it would be great because that would... It would also be good preparation for the for the Euro. I think the schedule is that it happens just before the Euro, if I understand correctly. But um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> let's do um, it. <laughs> <laughs> On Vera, we'll see. We'll see. Um, finally, I think it's um, it's um, just a quick shout to the 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 under, French under twenty ones are still two 0 up against Switzerland, so <laughs> still looking good there. It is half time as we speak. Um, and finally, I think it's important to mention what's been going on with the France women's team. Um, Pierre Paul, I'll let you take the stage on this one um, to to yeah to lead this discussion. Uh, sure. Yeah, we had a uh, there was a bit of an event yesterday on Sunday uh, when Amandine Henry, who plays for Lyon and who was 
the French captain until uh, about a month ago mm-hmm. uh, before getting suddenly dropped by the national team. Uh, she did a TV interview on the subject, uh, knowing that, you know, this week, Corinne Diak, the coach of the, of the women's team, is, you know, set to announce the next uh, French squad for, for the next matches. Um, and Henri basically did an interview explaining what is going wrong between herself and Jack, between other players and, and Jack as well, because uh, for context, this is not the first time that uh, that the manager Jack has uh, some kind of issues with important players from the national team. So, for example, uh, about three years ago when she arrived, she took the armband from Wendy Renard and gave it to Henri, mm. which, you know, although Henri is a, is a very good player, um, and, and has qualities, it, that's a controversial move, knowing that, you know, Renard is Henri's captain in Lyon and, and has been around forever and is also a very good player. Um, but so what Henri basically accused Diacre of, of she, she basically said that there was, you know, a, a toxic workplace at the French national team and that, and that uh, a, a lot of the players, she wasn't speaking only in her name. Um, she said this was a problem that a lot of players uh, felt and and that uh, you know her not being in the squad, she felt more courageous to to kind of step up and say it, and uh, um, and also warned that you know things need to change in before the next tournaments that are coming up because this is obviously a very strong generation from France and and they still haven't won any trophies. Um, but what she was saying is that you know uh, a lot of the players are are worried whenever they have to go to the national team. They really don't look forward to it because of the kind of very strict and, and uh, you know, she didn't give exact details of, of what is happening, but there seems to be a, a very difficult and, and, and somewhat toxic work environment there. And, you know, she mentioned players, including herself, crying in their rooms and, and, and you know, sort of images like that. Uh, so quite concerning to be hearing that. Uh, Obviously, uh, it's going to be a, a tough week. I'm mean, uh, French Federation President Noël Legret, who's usually quite defensive of his employees, including of the managers. Um, you know, he's kind of saying his response was, "We need to sort this out so we can keep moving forward." But he's not. Uh, there's no. He's not questioning Diak's position just yet. Um, and yeah, lots of drama there for sure. Um, maybe maybe Jez will want to add something too. But um, just so that we talk about the football itself a little bit too, the other big news from the weekend was that the PSG women's team won 14-0. So I thought that deserves a, a little bit of a shout as well. Wow. Uh, 14-0 Absolutely. in first division against uh, against EC with uh, seven goals for Nadia and Nadim alone. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Unlucky PSG always get overshadowed by uh, Lyon players in in women's <laughs> football. <laughs> Even after a weekend like that, I mean, the, just to go back to to what you were saying, Pierre Paul, the, the quote that I'd seen uh, was from Amandine Henri was saying that it was the World Cup campaign was total chaos under Diacre or, or something along those lines. I mean, what do we think the ramifications are going to be? Because if, uh, as if you say, you know, Diacre's position isn't being immediately questioned, then surely there are going to be going to be mm. implications for, for Amandine Henri 
uh, at, at international level know coming out and and questioning the coach in 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 this manner well i mean it looks like she wasn't getting called up anyways i mean she wasn't last time and it you know mm -hmm. probably wasn't going to be again uh uh next time so in terms of immediate consequences i don't know if that changes her situation too much yeah about the last world cup she did say that you know it was it was such a shame everybody was looking forward to it and it was just they didn't enjoy it at all even though this was the world cup in france and it was supposed to be a brilliant moment and and uh you know they she was saying it was very strict and they weren't really allowed to have an afternoon off or, or out um which a lot of people then compared to you know stories from the men's world cup where uh you know even though Deschamps is also someone who is who who is uh strict and has a strong worth work ethic um you know he he understands the kind of the way the group lives and and uh even though it wasn't so public at the time you know the french players did have a a couple nights off after victories especially and and uh you know had a chance to bl blow off some steam um um but uh yeah the, the the problem is you know Henri is not the first to have this kind of argument with Jack. a lot of it has to do with the world cup but not just that um i mentioned renard but there's also the goalkeeper sarah boadi who uh you know decided she would stop playing for france um this was a few months ago maybe last year and she recently said that you know that decision was uh permanent as long as diacre was manager i guess the counter argument to all of that is that those are uh lyon players and some people say that uh at lyon the players choose their own manager in a way um, and, you know, if they're not too happy with one manager, they'll ask the club president to find someone else. And, you know, given the managerial turnover at Lyon, that's a plausible hypothesis. But, you know, they have the results to go with that. So I guess that's allowable. Now, do they have that? So people are saying, you know, are they bringing that kind of attitude to the French team? I'm not convinced that that's the case. Um, we don't really have the evidence for that yet, but you know, Diak has also had problems with non-Lyon players. So you know, Marie Catoto was not at the World Cup, for example, even though she was uh, the top goal scorer in in the French league. She plays for for PSG. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it, it it's a big problem, and it's uh, going to be a very awkward reunion uh, in uh, one or two weeks when the international break comes along. Just as it pretty much was last time, I think, except Diakra was was away for most of the break, having having contracted COVID, so she was in isolation. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it certainly promises to be a, an awkward uh, meet meeting or reunion, as yeah. as you say. And you know, we hope for some resolution there because that is such an unbelievably talented crop of players. So any kind of conflict hindering them in in any way from having more success especially you know the world cup i think was a a missed opportunity we 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 you know hope that there's some resolution there i um, think that that's the issue i think um yeah that the, they were kind of unlucky with the draw like america mm -hmm. france quarter final could easily easily have been the final and there's no shame to losing to america but actually france were pretty unimpressive during during the tournament and you could maybe put some of it down to nerves and sort of I don't know throwbacks to like France the last time that the rugby world cup was 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 played in in France for example but um it, yeah it certainly seems like there's more to it than that and I think 
um, Pierre Poul touched on it. I think possibly a lot, a lot may turn actually on the non-Lyon players because you. Could, I mean, Henri is is kind of right in saying, you know, if I don't speak up as captain, who will do? But then at the same time, you could say, well, it's quite easy to speak up now you've been dropped, and you know, the worst that can happen is you'll still be dropped, and the best that can happen is you're kind of forcing the the coach to pick you again. So it's kind of convenient. Um, I, but yeah, rightly or wrongly, it does seem, and you know, it, it makes sense because obviously the amazing success they've had and, and they are brilliant players that the Lyon sort of not clique, but the Lyon faction of the squad is obviously very strong, but I think, um, and obviously going to stick together. But if certainly if I think the non-Lyon players and Oggy did allude to the fact that they feel the same, if the non-Lyon players kind of take the side of the Lyon players against Diak, then it's hard to see how, how they can continue like that. And I don't think Leclerc's handled it brilliantly. Um, I read something today saying he was far too hasty, kind of keeping her on after the World Cup rather than you know, having a, a proper sort of review of how the World Cup went. And if he'd spoken to a few more players, he might have had more of an idea of the issues then. He also kind of said, well, you know, she's the most successful French coach ever or something like that, which isn't true at all because I think completely it's completely not true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think Binny got them to like three consecutive semi final, major semi finals, for example, and probably with not as good a team as well. So it's hard to see how they can all carry on like this. And it may just be a question of, of who wins out. But, you know, if you're chucking out players like of the standard of sort of Henri and Renard, for example, in 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 one go, uh, and considering, I think, I think it's fair to say Diak has been a little bit disappointing um, during her tenure. Um, mm. To me, it looks like the players may well win out, but then you know, does mm. that give the players a little bit too much power going forward? So, I think Lucrez has, has kind of created a bit of a rod for his own back, but it's it's certainly interesting. <laughs> And also in terms of broader context, um, you know, with, with Noël Legret, the president of the French FA, um, who, uh, I mean, Jeremy, you said you don't think he's handled this too brilliantly. I'm not sure he handles too many things that brilliantly <laughs> um, anymore. There seem to be more and more problems at the FFF. Yeah. Um, and there's an election coming up, I think, in March for, you know, he's up for uh, re-election. I'm not sure if there are any other candidates for the moment. Uh, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of tense situations at FFF. This is one of them. There's also this other story that first came out in the New York Times, but then uh, the French media has picked up on it and, and kind of gone deeper about uh, about uh, essentially internal rivalries at the FFF combined with uh, certain certain aspects of a toxic workplace and, and, and sexual harassment as well. And... Um, yeah, it's kind of crisis crises adding up on Le Grette's desk. Um, I'm personally not too impressed by him, but uh, on the other hand, uh, French football, you know, <laughs> has very bad precedents and and very bad uh, other bad examples around uh, in terms of club leadership, for example. And you know, while uh, while I don't think Le Grette is ideal. I think there's a good part of French football which is not at his level and which I certainly wouldn't want to see taking over at the FFF. So uh, I get, I guess, uh, mixed feelings around that. 
I think that's completely fair enough. <laughs> and um, you know, <laughs> never a dull moment in in the yeah. <laughs> ever turning world of French football. Uh, that will be all from us this evening. Thanks very much for joining me tonight, guys. As always, make sure you're following us at GFFN on Twitter for all the latest news from the world of French football. And please do check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. I'm Jake Smales, and I've been joined tonight by Pierre-Paul Birmingham and Jeremy Smith. Stay safe, enjoy the football, and have a great week.